is Amanda. And this is Chris. And this is Vocal Perspective. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Vocal Perspective. Today, we have another guest that I have been waiting a really long time to bring on the show, and I can't believe it's taken me this long to set it up. You know, this is just how my brain works. But anyway, today's guest is Pat Silver, and I got to know her as the co-founder and now co-manager of Sing Toronto, the Vocal Arts Festival. And the event just hosted its 10th year, and it was, of course, a little unconventional based on current circumstances. But I'm so excited to have you here and just after finishing the festival. So, and she's still got a big, huge smile on her face. I don't know where it's coming from, but hi, Pat. How are you? I'm awake. Amazing. Yeah. You know, we finished last night at about 9.30 at night and this morning started up again at 7.30. They're ready to go for year 11. Working on next year. (laughs) So Pat, I know you as like, you know, the Energizer Benny. It's like, you can't not be excited about an event when you're working around Pat. How did you get here? I know you have a long history in the entertainment business. So tell us a little bit about you because it's fascinating. Thank you. Well, I have a music degree, a double degree in piano and violin, classical piano and violin, and then got a master's degree in broadcasting. I was a television and radio producer. Came to Canada from St. Louis, Missouri, and worked immediately for Screen Gems Television in Toronto, and then worked for the CBC Radio as the promotion and publicity for the CBC Radio FM, FM Radio Network, and hated the bureaucracy. And a friend of mine said, why don't you come and play in my rock and roll band and make no money and I said I'm out of here so it just was a natural my family was no brainer horrified yeah but yeah went on the road played rock and roll that band broke up after six months because bands do joined another band accompanying somebody who was actually quite famous did a year on tour with him came back to Toronto started doing more things with other bands and then was invited to go on the road with Bobby G Griffith who was quite a big star at the time by the bass player who I had been dating and we ended up married and while we were on the road Bobby G said I understand you do children's shows because I had been doing that on the side. He said, why don't you do matinees? So we started doing kids show matinees as clowns. That's what I do. I'm a clown. <clears throat> and then Chris's face right now is exactly how I pictured it would be. <laughs> Guys, I had a clown. I'm like the kid that loved clowns. I had a clown. I remember at my fourth birthday party, it was like the biggest deal. Well, you're meeting one of the best ones now. So I, I didn't even tell Chris before that because I wanted that reaction. Oh, thank you. I I'm love trying, it so much. I'm trying to remember which I think this is from, from China. Oh my gosh. It, it is. I mean, I have tried to be a clown and I'm a terrible clown. I have such, I have such mad respect for people. Well, who we started a clown band because I play, I play 12 instruments. So I put, you know, the, the band was all of us playing multiple instruments. You know, John Michael J.M., who is an acapella singer, but also plays multiple instruments and started performing with us on the road on tour when he was 10, opening in Edinburgh and also in Holland. So he's been a stage kid from very, very long ago and as a clown. So I did that. I still do that. Started an entertainment agency in Toronto in 1980, focusing on family entertainment. And we ended up with 2,000 artists that we worked with, booking them worldwide from everything, every kind of music to jugglers, magicians, sword swallowers, you name it. We booked them all. And I owned that agency and ran it for 32 years and had enough and decided I was going to get, I was going to retire and put my feet up and knit. And (laughs) Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, the 
manager of the nylons, Paul Ryan, and I were having a conversation and he said, you know, the nylons have always wanted to have an acapella festival. And I said, that sounds like a nice idea. Go ahead. He said, no, no, we need somebody to do that. And you'd be perfect for that. And at the same time, within a few days of that, JM came to me and said, you know, Countermeasure, which is his group, really wants to have an acapella festival. And I said, go ahead. He said, no, mom, you have to do that. So (laughs) it was this confluence of these two organizations, the iconic group, the Nylons, and the up-and-coming group, Countermeasure, saying, let's make something. There was no major acapella festival in Canada. There had been something out west, but it closed. There was something in Montreal, but it was small and it couldn't survive because they didn't have enough people power behind it. So we said, okay, let's see what we can do. We put together a dream team, invited all my colleagues that I'd known, and I figured they all owed me one because I'd worked with them for so many years, to come on the team. Seven of us each put $1,000 on the table and said, well, we're going to start a festival. And either it's going to work or it won't work. We got a venue. Uh, the venue said, okay, we'll, we'll give you all, all of our rooms for free. We said, okay, well, this will work. <clears throat> we had no funding. Nobody would give us any money because we were brand new. So we put up our own money. We ended up getting all our money back. We sold concerts, did really well with the concerts and workshops, said, this is great. We're doing fine. And at the end, the venue said, oh, did we forget to tell you we're charging you for tech? Here's a bill for $25,000. Oh my gosh. So that was a little surprise, which we survived. And it's never a dull moment in events. No. <laughs> no, we were told we would not survive. We were told festivals simply don't make it past one year. So that's why nobody gives you money. Well, we made it past first year, second year, third year. <laughs> and this year is our 10th year. And in our first year, Aaron Jensen, who is musical director for Countermeasure and also writes arrangements, sings with the Retrocity and the Watch, said, we said, we want you as artistic director. What would you like to see in a festival? He said, here's my wish list. It'll never happen but in our wildest dreams, we'd love to see Naturally 7 and Take 6 and the Nylons and Riotan and the Real Group. And the list went on and we said, yeah, it's never going to happen. Well, by last year, we had checked off every single box. Oh, and what? Single one. Yep. All of the, and the Swingles. And now oh we're back gosh. to having people That's back. Amazing. The Swingles have been with us three times now and, and we're starting to invite groups back because we've had all the biggest names in the world and they've been amazing. So what I do is I work full time for the festival, although I'm not paid. It is a full time <laughs> passion. You know, you need somebody who will drive the bus. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I first heard about Sing, when the JM reached out to me and was like, hey, you run a lot of the American festivals. I want your input for this festival. And I said, oh, OK. And then he told me, you know, the festival was going to be 10 days to two weeks sometimes. And I was like, who has the energy for a 10 day to two week festival? And then I met Pat and that answered all of my questions. But there's so much unique about Sing Toronto. And I for anyone that has not been yet, like make plans for when it comes back in person, because it's not like all of the other festivals that we see here. And, you know, most festivals, they're two, three days, barbershop conventions can last four or five, but there is something different every day of your festival. And, you know, I've seen some of the most amazing things, like you've incorporated visual arts. When my group was there, we sang in a nap room and it was amazing. And we brought one of our brand, a nap room. We sang all of our soft songs. People could come in and take a nap while we sang to them. It was amazing. And one of the festivals we came to, we had a brand new member of Euphemism. He barely knew us. And we walked in the door and the first concert we went to was the Kinsey Six. And he's looking at us like, am I allowed to laugh? Do you all find this funny? If you don't know the Kinsey Six, please go look them up. But I mean, that's just the variety of this festival. It just never stops surprising you. Well, the idea is really exciting. 
it's worth presenting. I've always felt really strongly about making great music because it will touch people in many different ways. So you have the Kinsey Six, they call themselves America's Drag Apollo and Beauty Quartet. They are four guys in drag singing a cappella, very political, very funny, very, very biting wit. Two of the founders were lawyers who did public interest work, Harvard grad. So, I mean, that's one side of it. We've also had Musica Intima, and they are strictly a classical group out of Vancouver that just gorgeous music. We've had certainly lots of jazz artists like Countermeasure. Retrocity only sings music from the 80s. We've had nights that were multidisciplinary. So you watch a silent film and you have live acapella accompanying the silent film like they did in the old days with the piano player. Only this is, yeah, yeah, totally. It's just uh, that you never know what's going to come out of this festival. I mean, every year is a surprise. I think I've been three or four times now and it's just, I'm always blown away by the creativity that goes into this. And I mean, sing, it's not just concerts and workshops. I know you've also expanded into helping the local music community and education. You do so much for the local kids to introduce them to all of this. Can you talk a little bit about that part of the festival? Yes. Part of our mandate, we are a registered charity. You call it a 501c3 in the US. Part of our mandate is education. It's really important because if you don't bring along the next generation of acapella singers, once all of you graduate onto a different lifestyle, who's next? Who's going to be singing? So it's important to us to create opportunities for these middle school and high school kids to be inspired. And if you can imagine the faces of 300 kids from, in many cases, from challenged communities where they really have not had a chance to be in person at a concert, and they're working with Naturally 7. Naturally 7 brings them up on stage one at a time to teach them to beatbox or make the sound of a trumpet. It is yeah, so, it's not so thrilling subtle. to see their faces and see how inspired they get by the work that we're doing for the kids. We've had a group called the Vocal Ensemble from South I mean, Africa I knew people and learning just going to their vacation something home. about the history of you know, Nelson like... Mandela and the music of South Africa. These are important moments. Our teachers tell us are life-changing for their students. So it's very much a part of what we do. So Sing had for year nine because the festival tr typically takes place in May. And, you know, as we all know, the world shut down in March of 2020. And that's you know, right as you were getting ready to launch. So how did you take everything, all of these experiences that you get in person? And I think you've successfully hosted now two virtual festivals. So what was that like? Well, last year, I would say it was more challenging than this year because we didn't I have a playbook. No oh one had gosh. a playbook. We got to March. And remember, we've already signed contracts with every single artist because our festival's in May. We've got contracts with venues. We know exactly what we've got True. contracts. Yes. And then no one can come. The border is closed. Accent was contracted and a deposit was put down. And of course, the border was closed with Canada and the US and they couldn't come. And every day we're listening to the news to find out, can we even do a live concert? Okay, we can't bring them here. Can we do a live concert with Torontonians? And that changed every day in terms of what the government directors were because nobody really knew what was happening. So we finally said, we can't do this in May. We have no way of putting on a festival in May. Let's postpone until we get some clear directive. So we targeted September and decided by May that it was going to have to be virtual. There was no other way. So we went to all the performers and said, who can actually do this? Who can actually gather and still sing in person? We're going to film you with nobody in the audience. 
in a theater and a really limited number of people in the building. And we're going to edit all these pieces together and we're going to make a festival. And that's what we did. And for our, one of our headliner shows with Jackie Richardson, who is a multi-awarded uh, singer, an absolutely marvelous actor. We brought Jackie in onto the stage along with Mika Barnes, who's a phenomenal singer. The theme was Las Vegas. The idea was we're going to have a theater. And when you enter, we're going to make this an event. I'm gonna, an event planner from way back. So let's make this an event. And when you come to the theater, you're going to have a magician doing close-up magic. We're going to have all this decor from Vegas. You're going to walk in. You're going to feel like you're in a Vegas showroom. Well, no one could come. So we brought Jackie and Mika in. They taped standing six feet apart in our venue. Then we brought all of the other people in one at a time and filmed everyone singing one at a time and, and edited all of that together, including a tap dancer and a magician to make it look like a real Vegas show. We had stars on stage. We had like all the decor, unfortunately not in person. So it was quite, quite a lot of yes. work to create the shows and also to figure out how are we going to do workshops? Workshops, not only the workshops for the students, so now we have to film workshops for schools and distribute them virtually, but how are we going to do workshops to the public? So now you have, what became, started as a problem became an opportunity. So we could reach out to members of the New York Voices and say, hey, will you do a workshop on songwriting? And reach out to people around the world to say, can you do workshops online for us? So the opportunity became, we can make this a real international experience for people who we could not afford to fly in to our festival, but who could we could pay to do it from their home. So that's what we did. And so our first year, our first virtual year, we did a 10-day festival, like always. And we it was a combination of archival footage and brand new thing, footage that we shot and made it happen and people watched it. Yes. And I was just really impressed because I remember, you know, kind of checking in with you all because I was hoping to come up and be part of the festival in my role for Acaville. And it was like, will I allow be allowed to come across the border? Like, I mean, and there was like just plan A through Z. And I think we got to like plan double G before you settled. And then you all turned around and decided, you know what, we're going to go for it. We're going to do it again this year. Yep. So what lessons do you feel like you applied to make this year's festival even better? Well, first of all, we had advanced warning because we knew this year that there was not going to be an opportunity to do anything live. Ontario is in lockdown. We are still in lockdown. Actually, as of a few days ago, we are allowed to leave our houses. That's how... See, that's so different than here. You yeah. know, everyone thinks of America and Canada as kind of the, the same place. And it's... Nope. There are, we have a lot of similarities, but there are a lot of subtle differences. And this pandemic has shown that. Like, because Chris and I are fully vaccinated. We're taking our masks off and you all are still stuck inside. Well, I can go to my backyard. That's about it. And I'm fully vaccinated. That's not a problem. Right. We're not allowed to go to our vacation homes. I think in a couple of weeks, that's changing. But you have to remember, it's been 14 months that we had to stay indoors. So we knew it was coming. So year two, oh yeah, we have no restaurants that are open for in-person dining, not even the patios. The stores, you cannot go in a store. It's all curbside pickup. And you can go to any place, that's for certain stores. If you're buying food, you can go into the food store. But if you go into Costco, go. For instance, you can only buy food. You cannot buy socks. Yep. All right, Americans, I hope you're listening because <laughs> everyone still feels so contained here. And I'm like, you can, if you're vaccinated, you can pretty much do whatever you want. Pandemic is over just for us. Oh, no, we no, we have 100% you have to wear a mask inside everywhere here. And everyone outside else is supposed to be wearing a mask. I needed to get a basket to create a gift basket for some, some people who had done a really nice thing for us. So you'd think it's simpler, simple to go into like a dollar store 
and buy a basket. You can't buy a basket the same as you can't buy socks. So I went to a store that would sell me a box. They would... <laughs> It was a nice spot. That's what it's like here. So we knew going into the festival that we couldn't have any people. So Dylan and Suba reached out to their friends around the world and said, who of you can actually go and create something for Sing? We don't want stock footage. We don't want something people have seen before. We want something brand new. Can you do that? And four groups stepped up, Impact, Vocal Sampling, Riotan, and the Okai Singers out of Taiwan. All of them said they can do it in different ways. Impact basically did a, I'm going to call it a heads and boxes video. It was a lot more creative than that, but you know what I'm saying. Okai Singers in Taiwan, Taiwan is doing great. They're not in lockdown. They were able to get into a room and record something. Same thing with Riotan. Riotan went into an absolutely empty theater, and they were able to stand far enough apart with microphones and record a brand new video. And the same with the vocal sampling in Cuba. Again, they have their restrictions, but they were able to go into a studio and record. But again, no audience. And it's so strange that you see these absolutely stunning performances. People were on the chat, on the online chat with Riotan, they were crying because the music is so beautiful. But the song would end in its silence. There's no applause. All you hear is them shuffling to another configuration on stage. And then we decided because uh, we do like networking and connecting because that is part of our, our mandate that we would host what the barbershoppers call an afterglow. And that was after each concert. So uh, we're, uh, although we're not singing barbershop tags in our afterglow, and I know you sing a lot of tags, but we did have an online hangout, JM moderated, and it was a hangout with the artists that you saw singing that night, other than Riotan, because it would have been four in the morning for them. But <laughs> we did get a chance to like hang out with Renee from Vocal Sampling and hang out with the guys from Impact and you know, just talk to them in a way that you wouldn't get to do after a concert normally. Yeah, I always felt so bad. It was so nice to have these performers from all around the world for several of the festivals. And then I realized we're all doing this at late at night on East Coast time. So anytime there's a European performer, I'm like, oh, it's four o'clock in the morning. Like you ended the festival with Cadence, kind of like a saying goodbye to Cadence, all of the 11 members. And then you see Kevin Fox and I'm like, it's eight o'clock Eastern time. So what does that make it like? Three, four a.m. your time. Yeah. <laughs> so just the commitment of people to be like, yes, we're going to we're going to be here because I mean, time is a social construct now. So I don't know who but... knows what day it is or what time it is. So we took the challenge as an opportunity to really make something that could engage people. And all of those concerts and workshops are online until the 30th of June so that people can go back and see if they, if you missed it, you can still get a pass. You can buy individual tickets. You can still see the magic that we created. And it's worth it. I watched a lot of it. So, and I was sad that I couldn't go to all of it live. So now I'm going to go back in my free time and watch the ones I missed. But that's, you know, that's a sign of a good festival. And I feel that way every year it's saying it's like, I can't physically get to everything. There's so much to do. And I know that feels, it feels that way at a lot of, you know, barbershop conventions. It's like, I can't get in all of that, all that I want to do. But I mean, bonus of, of virtual, there, there's replay. <laughs> there is replay. And actually, I want to go back and watch some of the things. I saw everything because that's what I do. But but I want to go back and see some of these concerts again, because they were just breathtaking. And there were moments that actually just took my breath away from some of these concerts. I just, I couldn't. And I was surprised. I didn't know anything about the Okai singers out of Taiwan and I saw them and went, oh my gosh, why don't I know them? I should. I don't come from the Okai world originally, which is why I don't know a lot of people. But you know, there were some wonderful surprises and the collegiate groups were fabulous. We had our first ever collegiate competition. We had 15 groups enter. They sent their videos and there were some that I just thought, they can do this in college? 
They're so darn talented, aren't they? It's incredible. Like it blows blows my mind. I'm like, oh, should I hang up my hat? Like, geez. Exactly. And the nice thing with the collegiate groups is, again, we invited them into this after party chat. So they get a chance to kind of network and talk to the guys from Renee from Vocal Sampling who said, oh, yeah, I've been doing this for 20 years. Okay, here's a great opportunity to have a mentor or at least get some questions answered. Now, we do that when we actually have our in-person festival where we make a point of every headliner has an opening artist that is someone that is coming up the rank and intentionally so that we countermeasure has been paired with the real group and with the swingles. We've had our gospel night a couple of years ago we had resound who they were on america's got talent and also on good morning america and paired with I them love resound. Oh, resound. oh yes my heart they were on the same concert we had a, a family called the chiton they're local and the youngest one i don't know is maybe eight but they're so sweet and here they have a chance to get to know somebody who's gotten to the kind of the big time this is one we say that we are an accelerator a hub for acapella we create opportunities we create collaborations it's not just uh here's a show and here's another show and here's another show and here's another show and here's another group no it's we want you all to be working together we want you to see each other and we want you to come up with ideas together we have our mass choir event where we had i think a 10 or 12 different groups all workshops one at a time with the guys from Cadence and at the end in the concert each of them presented something but then they did something all together so it's a place you grow a cappella and clearly we've grown we're now this was this year we were 11 days 11 days wow yeah I mean and and yet you all seem to have the energy to present it like it's something brand new every year <laughs> but then again you know today's your first day off but you're already planning for next year oh my gosh you have to. Today, I had, I don't know how many calls I had about next year, including we have to nail down the venues. In order to run the festival, we have to find money. And that means applying for grants. Especially now with everything, I mean, not with everything opening, but, you know, with the potential, people are going to be very anxious to get back out there. So venues are going to be, time is going to be of the essence to grab those locations. Well, for sure. So, so that was one of our calls today was what venues are we looking at? How do we nail them down to get them to commit to us? What artists? We already have our headliners that we're committed to for next year, but that's just two of the 10 nights. What are we doing the rest of the time? The other thing we, <laughs> we did this year that I thought was a great idea, and I'd like to do it again next year, was a business series. We call it the Sing Business Summit. It was three days. Each day was by different professionals. The first day was, how do you make a living in the music business? The second day was, show me the money. Where's the money? How do you get a grant? Well, for American artists, it's moved to Canada. They're much nicer with it there. <laughs> you know what? You're right. Unfortunately, that's absolutely true. But there's Patreon. There's other kinds of group supports that you can do. Sponsorships, endorsements. There's a lot of ways to get money. And the third night was from Canadian Musician Magazine. They are the magazine for Canada. How do you promote yourself? How do you get your name out there? So all three of those were extremely well attended. And I think that musicians want that information. So Oh, absolutely. I, I was lucky enough to be invited to be on the first panel. The questions they asked were so meaningful. And I felt like even though we were all talking through a Zoom screen and the audience had to ask questions in the chat box, I feel like got something out of it. Plus, they, when I said, they're like, how do we reach the panelists? I said, just Facebook friend me. <laughs> and a couple people did after the show and Excellent. after the event. And they're like, oh, you actually really responded. And I said, yeah, just here, just put your questions in the messenger and I will answer them best I can. But I'm glad to hear that you're looking at keeping that because I think it was a really worthwhile endeavor. I thought it was great. And, you know, again, what 
who are we serving? What's our community? Well, there, there are many parts of the community. And this is something that Jam and I talked extensively today with, with our incoming artistic director with Kevin. Who is our community? Well, we have singers at all levels. You've got singers who are the high school or the university kids who are, if they are not looking to have a full-time career in music, they're certainly looking to stay engaged in music. Then you have the professional singers like you, Amanda, or like countermeasures of the world or the swingles or, you know, the, those guys. Then you have... Oh my gosh, Pat just put me in the same sentence as the swingles. Okay, I'm good. Amanda's um, going to pass out. I got to take over the interview. Oh no. <laughs> and then you have, of course, the people who are acapella aficionados. Who they will go anywhere to hear acapella. They love it. It's, it's a passion for them. And then you have people who just like music. And then you have people who like to be part of something exciting. Could be theater, could be music, could be dance. So we're serving so many different communities. And so we have to look at how do we serve all those people? We can't, well, I, you know, I always look at my accountant who is 80 and I say, well, he's not going to be interested in the music business seminar on how to make a living in music, but he's going to want to come see Naturally 7 because although he doesn't know them, they will blow him away. But at the same time, Naturally 7 will also attract Amanda, who's going to love them. In two different ways. And I think that's fine. And when you find something like that, that appeals to all of your audiences, it draws everyone in and then you kind of branch off and give them other things to that suits them. And I, yes, it's, I love being in an audience like that, where it's just like people that came in off the street in Toronto. They're like, what is this thing? Oh yeah. We presented take six a few years ago and I'm always standing at the exit to see what people have to say. Of course, you know, they're going to say good things when there's so many encores, people are just screaming. And I had people come up to me and say, you know, my whole life I've wanted to see take six. This is my life dream. And here they were. And you brought them here for us. And in an intimate venue, we're talking about four or 500 seats. We're not talking about a stadium of 20,000. We give people a really good, intimate experience with our artists. And for not an outrageous amount of money, I think our highest ticket price ever was $49 for a life take six. So yeah, you're paying $50 and it's life-changing for all kinds of different people. And for this year's festival, if you are an arts worker as a musician or dancer or any kind of an artist, the festival pass for the 11 days was $25. That is Shut less. the front door. Yeah. I can't buy coffee for 11 days for, for $25. For $25. Not even close. No way. <laughs> Pretty sure the pizza we ordered for dinner tonight was more than $25. I would be like $75 in coffee. I just did the math really fast. <laughs> like, truly. So we did that to encourage people to attend and, and to recognize that artists, arts workers, students, people who are underemployed don't have a lot of money right now. But then we, we had a tiered system. If you are not one of those people, it's $50. But it's still 11 days of entertainment for $50. It's less than $5 a day. Yeah. <laughs> I try to remind people, if you get a week that appreciates you, like Arts Appreciation Week, you don't get paid enough money. Like Teacher Appreciation Week, Orthodontist Assistant Appreciation Week. It happens Secretary all over the place. Appreciation Secretary Week. Secretary Appreciation Week. Nurse you, Appreciation like, they, Week. My husband's a software developer. They don't have Software Engineers Appreciation Week. They just don't. They get paid plenty of money. <laughs> so like if you don't get paid, if you get an Appreciation Week, we get a whole month in, in, in America. You have music in our schools month. So, you know, it's it's nice. Thank you for doing that. We could talk to you. I, could, I mean, I have talked to you for hours and I could continue to talk to you for hours, but I know that you get to escape on a little bit of a break, which I'm excited for you. Pat, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I have learned so much and I hope that we get to see each other in person someday and Amanda takes me to sing Toronto and we... We're going. Okay. 
I'm I'm ready. When we can take this podcast on the road, I'm I it'll it's just gonna I don't know. I may never <laughs> oh, come and home. Then, you know, Pat, we're ready. We are ready to I, I sing with Chris in about six different ensembles now. So we're we're there. I'm ready. We'd love to have you. Well, you've sung for us before. Come back. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's one of my comes up as my group's one of our favorite experiences. So, so that we drove to Toronto from DC. That's how good. Two years in a row, we drove. Then I, then I started going by myself and flying, but that's how good it was. We took what was supposed to be an eight-hour drive. It was always 11 to 14 hours. Oh, no. So lies, Google Maps lies, but well worth it. Well worth it. So thank you, Pat. And thank you to all the listeners for joining us tonight. And to everyone out there, we'll see you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday.